floating sensation ran through my limbs, the feeling spreading up my torso and fanning itself out inside my chest. I stood, transfixed, aware of her warmth seeping into my arms. Edging backwards until my calves touched the back of the chair, I lowered myself down, ignoring the bulk of my bag pressing against the base of my spine. Angie reached over and grabbed the bag, tucking it on the floor beneath the crib. I thanked her without looking up and shuffled back in my seat, my eyes taking in the tiny purplish veins running in minuscule branches across Megan's cheeks and the slightly mottled skin covering the soft contour of her forehead. Her button nose was slightly squashed against one cheek, and beneath a small fist hovering an inch from her face, I noticed a cute little pleat in her chin. Just above, her tiny mouth pulsated at intervals around a small medical-looking dummy. It was only then that I took in the small gap, maybe a centimetre or so wide, visible in her top lip. Tilting my head, I tried to see how large an area was affected by the cleft. As far as I could make out without removing her dummy, it wasn't nearly as extensive as I had feared when I had spoken to Peggy on the telephone. I've seen worse, Angie said, picking up on my scrutiny. She'll need surgery in a few months, but if she's lucky she might get away with just one or two procedures. Oh, that's good. I answered absently, my heart skipping as I touched Megan's small hand. Tranquil and pale, she fixed her gaze on me and closed her fingers tightly around one of mine, almost as if she was claiming me. She seems very contented, I managed to say, though I was so absorbed that my voice sounded muted, even to my own ears. That's the baby methadone doing its work, Angie murmured, leaning close. She had another dose a couple of hours ago. I looked up sharply. Peggy had mentioned that Megan's mother had a history of drug and alcohol abuse, but somehow I hadn't processed the possibility that she might have used during her pregnancy. I wasn't sure why it hadn't occurred to me. I had cared for babies suffering from neonatal abstinence syndrome, or NAS, before. But I think it was probably because I found it difficult to believe that any drug had the potency to override a mother's instinct to protect. I knew from caring for Sarah that babies were only prescribed methadone if their withdrawal symptoms were particularly severe. In most cases, TLC and a heavy helping of stamina were enough to nurse them through the worst of it. Angie pouted grimly, and I pulled a face back. Oh dear, poor thing. And then another thought occurred to me. Is that what caused... I tilted my head towards Megan, indicating the cleft. Angie whistled softly. She crossed one leg behind the other, leaned her elbow on the crib, and put her other hand on her hip. It's hard to say. Some drugs are linked to clefts, diazepam, for instance. But as far as we know, Mum wasn't on that. The midwife was speaking so quietly that I had to lean forward to make out her words. Christina swore she wasn't on anything. Sister realised little one was clucking the day after she was born. We couldn't leave her to muddle through, poor little love, not without a bit of help. She was in a lot of pain. And then, with sudden vehemence, she added in a fierce whisper, In the States they recognise unborns as victims, so I'm told. But over here we don't seem to see them as people in their own right. Personally, I'd prosecute these mothers. We're told not to stigmatise them, that they're the victims and they need help, but most of the time they don't even want to stop. They must know how awful it feels to go cold turkey, but that doesn't stop them putting their own baby through it. Angie lowered her voice still further. And we're supposed to feel sympathy for them. She blew out her lips. Look at the harm they do.
Quietly enraged, spots of pink appeared on Angie's cheeks. I pressed my lips together, shaking my head. Her words had reminded me of something I learned recently when I attended a local authority-run course on drug and alcohol addiction. According to the tutor, roughly 1,500 babies a year were born addicted to drugs in the UK, and the figure was rising year on year. What really surprised me, though, was that some remained in the care of their mothers, despite their ongoing addiction. While I had seen some birth parents battle against the grip that illegal substances held over them, plenty of others seemed to indulge themselves without troubling their consciences too much. Working at the sharp end in one of the largest cities in the UK, I imagined that Angie's view had been coloured by the number of babies she had seen suffering as a result of their mother's addiction. Angie ran a hand across her forehead and blew out some air. Anyway, what can you do except...